Good evening, Kings fans. Welcome to another episode of Hockey Royalty Podcast Live. Joe Paterino, Russell Morgan coming at you on a Thursday evening. We've been talking about the roster. We've hit the first line. We've hit the middle six. We've hit the top pair. Today, we are going to be discussing the bottom four defensemen. Will we see some young players integrated into the lineup? Where, How high up into that defense group will they be? Let's find out. We'll have a conversation. Join another chat. Let's go. Okay, Russ, welcome. Welcome. How's things? How's the week going? It's going good, Joe. It's going good. I uh, was able to experience my first hurricane over okay. the weekend. Well, it wasn't really a hurricane. I mean, I feel like as a Californian, though, I, I, I have the – it was like a tropical storm. So, I mean, we got to experience that a little bit. I feel like we bodied it pretty easily, though, I have to say, as Californians. I mean, we had the – but the thing that's funny, too, is we didn't just have the tropical storm. We had the earthquake, too. To go along with it, so pretty pretty eventful weekend, I have to say. But besides that, yeah, I think we we got through it okay. I think we got through okay. A little bit of flooding in there, but yeah. So about the flooding, you guys had some. There were some pretty serious pictures that were coming out of L.A. area Dodger Stadium. Was it as crazy as it looked, or what was that about? Uh, I think the Dodger Stadium one was a little overblown. Okay. I have to say, I didn't. I mean, the next morning, even the uh, Dodgers uh, account on Twitter was even posted like, "Dude, like, look, the, everything's <laughs> fine here. We're the first base isn't submerged in water. We're totally fine." But it, it was just. I mean, I'm sure like people like dealt with some sh- tough situations. So I hope everything's okay there. But I have to yeah. say, like, I think it may have been a little overblown in terms of how damaging or destructive the whole thing was because i mean i would to be honest with you i mean you had seen like grocery stores and like costcos that were just people running in grabbing water and whatnot i mean i guess it's warranted you didn't know really know what to expect but yeah i got through it and i was just kind of sitting here i think it was on sunday sunday evening i was like man when's the when's the worst of it gonna get here and sure enough it did it did get pretty windy the trees started like whacking outside a little bit so i mean but besides that is i think we're okay here so okay. How's your how's your how's your week going, Joe? Besides little, the natural disasters, yeah, a little less eventful uh, than that, I would say. We haven't uh, we haven't quite had that type of weather out out here in Western New York. Um, not bad. I mean, it's been a, it's been a busy week. Summer's kind of gearing down. We're getting the older son ready for kindergarten in a couple of weeks. That starts uh, September sixth out here, so that's it's going to be fun. But uh, other than that. Not too bad. We should note, Brandon is not here. He's supposed to. Uh, he he was scheduled to be here. Uh, he had something come up, so we are filling in as a duo in place of Rando. He's 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 doing just fine, but we'll see him. Uh, we'll see him back in action next week. I'm sure. So you'll have to deal with us uh, for this week's episode. You're doing you're doing a good job with those. <laughs> Hey, I got big shoes to fill with Brando. I just do the best I can. I'm like the Jared Anderson Dolan. Okay, I can spot in here and there, but don't 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 expect uh, you know top line performance. We'll put it that way. Okay. Oh, Russ. Okay, so let's get into it. Let's do it. I mentioned we're going to talk about the decor. We'll talk about the decor, but first, um, the athletic. Corey Pronman 
Um, they do. We've 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 sang their praises numerous times, um, and we will continue to do so. They do such a good job at the athletic. Corey Prom and Scott Wheeler, uh, the guys that do the prospects over there. They've they've been on this show. Great, great, great guys. They do great work. Um, the Kings have been one of the top ranked pipelines in the NHL, it seems, over the last at least half decade, really, um, with all the prospects that they've had. And uh, Corey Pronman came out with his updated pipeline rankings. And the Kings, you know, I suppose to be expected, right, ranked 20th. They're a team that's now looking to contend. So generally speaking, um, you know, the, the prospect pool isn't going to be as rich. So, uh, Russ, was there any uh, any any big takeaways for you or anything that surprised you with the pipeline rankings? And do you think 20th is fair? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think if you kind of look at what the Kings have done lately in terms of this transition from full rebuild to now fast forward to this, all of a sudden content contention type of, of team that they have now, uh, there were, there were some sacrifices in the prospect pool. So, Obviously, you have to give to get quality in return. And we saw that with the Kevin Fiala trade where they traded Brock Faber, who was a second-round pick and and not really the most – didn't really have the most fanfare in terms of a, a prospect until he really started to show a lot in the World Junior Championships and a little bit uh, with the University of Minnesota. So then that was a big prospect to lose in, in the pipeline. And then also, of course, with uh, – um, well, so I'm drawing a blank here. The, the Philadelphia trade with Helga Granz, mm-hmm. obviously, on that, and then the Pierre Luc Dubois trade. Yeah. I'm yeah. getting rid of Gabe Lardy and and, and Rasmus Pari, who were a little, probably more graduated from these rankings. But I don't want to say I'm disappointed or even like had a little thought toward the ranking Kings being ranked 20th. I think that seems pretty fair right now, to be honest with you. I mean, <clears throat> We have higher expectations and maybe higher hopes for what Quentin Byfield and and Brant Clark can be, but national media, national audience hasn't really seen that come to fruition yet. So, yeah, of course, the the, the thought of those players becoming the superstar talents that we expect them to be isn't quite there yet, and they haven't shown that yet. So that probably brings that that ranking down a little bit because besides those two, I mean, we're talking about like wild card pieces that we're really fond of in terms of the Al Laferriere's, the Martin Chromiak's, uh, Francesco Pinelli, those type of players who don't really have that much of a, they don't really garner as much attention as it would be those other high-end prospects that are doing a lot, making a lot more noise at, at, as in Frozen Fours or World Junior Championships and all that good stuff. But we have higher hopes than those type of players. And that's why I think it's, it's weird because if I look at it like a few years ago, like, of course, the Kings were top five, no doubt about it. You had the Alex Turcotte, Quentin Feinfield just drafted. I mean, you could think you go on and on with all the prospects that the Kings had. But there was st- it, it still felt like there was a little bit more of, like, each player had their own kind of qualms about them. Like, you think mm-hmm. about the Calliope. Sure. Great, good offense. Not the best skater, and that's kind of what we've seen so far in the NHL. So, I mean, Rasmus Kapari is a great skater, but never really making things happen on the ice. I mean, Alex Turcotte, obviously, with everything that's going on with him. Um, so, yeah, but now it's weird. Like, I look at the Kings prospect pool now, and for some reason, I feel like some of these players, like, 
feel like more of sure things in my eyes. And yeah, I'll try my best to take the Kings blinders off here for a little bit, but I don't know. When I watched Alex Laferriere play and everything I've seen from him, when everything I've seen from Francesco Pinelli, Martin Cromack, these type of players, I just, I see that NHL talent there. Like, it's not just like one knock in there. I could see the all around game that could make them become NHL players. But, but obviously, they haven't shown that a capability. You're talking about a fifth round pick in Chromiak, third round pick in Laferriere, second rounders. Not that much in terms of first round talent that other teams possess. Oh, twentieth. I get it. I still think there's higher hopes, and I I have the the prospect or the um, I anticipate this pipeline to be a little bit better than what the, a lot of people think. Yeah, I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, you hit, you hit the nail on the head with some of the trades. That's just natural. So as you lose your prospects, as teams shift into being contenders, this is this is just the way it goes. Um, and I think it's worth noting just a couple of uh, Samuel Fagimo is somebody that w- that graduated. You mentioned Kapari being somebody that was a subtraction on the list, and not to give the whole list a le- away, but I, I I think it's fairly obvious, you know, Byfield Clark being being one too. What was interesting, uh, maybe interesting is is putting it nicely, um, the fall of Alex Turcott, who yeah. so Pronman ranks eight players eight prospects and then after that he's got a list of another i think it's eight again eight or nine players and for those that yeah. aren't aware these are u22 so under 22 and under point. yeah put that out there good point yeah that's a very good call um the rest of the players are for better or worse you know an honorable mention i think he uses the phrase chance to play in the nhl and Turcott falls one, two, three, four, five, sixth player, seventh player on that list. Now, I don't know if those are necessarily ranked in order or he just kind of put a grouping of players there. But the fall of Alex Turcott, um, and I know he's been a topic of conversation on this podcast for a while now. We, you know, and that kind of gets to what you're saying, you know, from the outside looking in, the all the injuries, there's been no real momentum at all with Turcotte in terms of him actually being able to play. So it's kind of understandable from their end or an outsider's end, so to speak, where we maybe we're looking through King's colored glasses do still have some optimism for him. Just we, we see the talent. We see when he's on the ice that he can be a, an impactful player. It's just, can the kid get healthy and stay healthy? Um, so, so his fall from, really consistently being what a top five in these rankings to, to not even in the top five of the kind of honorable mentions was, um, it was quite the drop, but I, I guess understandable, right? No, hundred percent. I mean, th- for Turcot, this is, it feels like a make or break season for him, right? Or at least just show, show something, show some sort of progression. Cause it's always been just like sitting in, purgatory waiting for this player to eventually just make us make any sort of noise in the nhl that we haven't seen yet and and it's it's crazy because i mean i I, just the other day like the ontario rain posts are posting highlights of alex turcott and like in the back of my head i'm thinking like oh that's great cool but also i'm like i don't want to see any more highlights of alex turcott on the ontario rain i'm sorry like it's just it's gotten to the point where for me like i understand there's a lot of roster battles going on with the bottom six and we've talked about it on end but i think if this player is healthy you just have to give him a chance especially at the beginning of the season and if 
whether that be you you have to sit a player like Carl Grundstrom for a couple games, um, Jared Anderson Dolan, whoever's going to be that mm-hmm. last roster spot player. I think Alex Turcott being healthy is, is something that's been so rare these last few years. And if he comes into a training camp fully healthy, experiences the entire preseason, and shows a little bit of something throughout those games too, I think you just have to give him a chance because, like we said, he just hasn't given gotten that chance because of his health situation. Yeah, and I think assuming his play in the preseason warrants it, I, I don't disagree with you here, Russ. That maybe just 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 let's get him in there and see what happens. CJ coming in the chat. This uh, upcoming season is huge for Turcotte, and yeah, I I think it is. I mean, because you just you just don't know what the future holds for him in this organization. How long will the Kings continue to be patient? Obviously, they can continue to be patient for a little while more here, but. Um, you know, at some point they have to see something come here um, because really another lost season, he's lost everything in terms of value. There's no trade value anymore. Um, and you've, you've really lost a lot with that pick. What is interesting of the top five, uh, or actually even the top, the top eight players that they did rank, um, there are one, two, three, four, five, four of them are defensemen. Five of them are defensemen, five of them are defensemen, and three of those are in the top five. And we'll talk about those three a little bit later, but one of them was a bit of a surprise uh, to me, and I'll make sure to mention that later, a little bit of a teaser there. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, I think 20th is, in, in fairness, I didn't I didn't comb through everybody else's rankings um, uh, or, or rosters, I should say, uh, on these rankings. But, again, you, you don't have a lot of – Top end talent, even even Byfield Clark. Okay, when you look yeah. at the way Pronman grades them, Byfield's the only one I think that he graded as a top line player. Even even Clark, he had and again. This is one man's rankings. Even Clark, he has this kind of like that bubble to being, you know, solid middle pair or top line defenseman. Not a guarantee, right? So, yeah. you know, if you look at it. That way, too, you can understand why they are where they are. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember talking to him. I talked to Prom, in, I think it was two years ago, when I was, I think Martin Kromiak had just made it, like, his little bit of an impact. He's been scoring all those goals in the in the uh, OHL. And so we were a lot higher on him, but he still looks at a player like that as, like, a fifth-round pick. I'm sure he kind of senses the same thing with, like, a Jordan Spence, who's also a mid-round pick. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's, that's is why when – when we watch Brant Clark play and everything we've seen so far, I mean, we just envision him being at least a star in the NHL. And it's funny, you, you looked at some of those, uh, the traits of each player and, and his skating ability had his poor. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. We haven't really seen him obviously play an extended period in the NHL, but from the nine games that he played, it looks like he was able to hold his own. So, I have no reason to believe that that's going to be an issue for for me with Clark. It's just always been his his uh, I guess awareness of where to be on the ice, kind of his aggressiveness yep. play style. Like we've talked about it a bit. You you love that play style. For me, I, yep. I get a little bit more reserved. I like I like when the defenseman tends to play a little bit of defense uh, out there. <laughs> but with Clark, I think it's something that we'll just probably have to get used to watching him. Right, this is the yep. type of player he is, and the Kings haven't really had a player like that. On the roster in quite some time. I mean, I guess Dersey yeah, Dursey showed a little bit of that, but we also know how, what happened there. But yeah, Lubo's a, a great, a, a great example, a player that was off, one of the best offensive players that was on the ice for the Kings 
when he was with them. So, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see in, in terms of what happens with Brant Clark this season, whether he gets a full year in the AHL or or just actually just makes a statement out of training camp and then all of a sudden is on the NHL roster. But we'll, we'll wait and find out, I guess. Uh, real quick on Lubo. There was a quote that I heard. I don't remember when this was that said Lubomir Vizhnovsky, he only plays defense for the national anthem. And I thought it was just absolutely fantastic. Um, but you know what? The man was ahead of his time. Lubo. Yeah, I, Lubo. Loved, I loved watching. Oh. That was, man. It's just, uh, he was one of those players that you can just like love to root for. Oh. Cause he never was like in your face type of guy. You just go out there and just make plays. Wheel around and make yeah. plays. Yeah, it was great. Obviously, we mentioned Brand Clark, and look, lo and behold, Rando chimes in. Rand McMahon, Clark Train, all the explanation points. Absolutely, Randon. We know you're the conductor. We will never take that from you. We know you are the conductor of the Brand Clark Train. So hopefully we'll see him, and we're going to touch on Brand Clark in just a little bit here. But before we do that, let's talk about our sponsor from DraftKings. New customers download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You might as well just throw some money on Mookie Bets to get a bunch of hits because this guy doesn't get out anymore. It's ridiculous what he's doing. And if you're going to do that, use promo code THPN at DraftKings. Or you can just bet against my Yankees. They lose every game. So, again, if you're going to do that, promo code THPN when you sign up at DraftKings. This is just brutal, uh, Russell, real quick. The Yankees, what an abomination they are. So you want to hear about uh, brutal. I, w- I had the, the pleasure. Um, I had some friends in town, um, and they wanted to go to a baseball game. And, unfortunately, the Dodgers weren't in town, so – Lo and behold, the Angels are the are the best option that we have. So I went to the Angel game on uh, what was it Tuesday, and man, it's I, I've been to my fair share of Angel games. Like you know, I live in Orange County, not too far from Angel Stadium. So I've always kind of never really viewed them as like a rival of the Dodgers. I, I don't see that they're not even in the same league, so it never mm-hmm. really made sense to me. Yeah. Um, so I always kind of wanted them to do well and whatnot. And man, but when I went to see them play, and also it was also because Ellie Dela Cruz was playing. Love seeing Stunt. to see a superstar talent there, man. It, it just felt like I was walking into a museum with how quiet that place was. I, <laughs> oh man, you can just sense like the 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 vibe from the fans there was just like they're watching this team in front of them just listlessly get through the end of the season. And then, and it was funny too because it was Mike Trout's return to the yep. lineup after like that lasted long. Months. Yeah, and. They ended up losing, obviously. Shocking. And then turn up the next day, Otani tears his UCL and Mike Trout's on on the disabled list for the rest of the year. And but I mean, I'm a, I'm a Charger fan for the NFL, but I, I would I would think that like the equivalent of being a Charger fan in the NFL is being an Angel fan for Major League Baseball. Just going through heartbreak and and so much anticipation, so much hope. Um, but man. Just talking about faltering and, and falling off the wagon there for that, for that poor team. And it ain't getting any better, obviously, with Otani's injury and with Trout's injury again and with Otani's free agency. It's a mess over there, and I don't hate it. I've never been an Angels guy. I still can't. I actually I actually am not really that over. The, the Yankees had such a dominant stretch from right from 96 to oh, 2000. Then 2001, they had – 
the collapse against uh, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series with Rivera. But then, oh, two, the Angels killed the Yankees in the first. I was like, the first time as a, as a Yankee fan. I was such a young kid. Like, I just was so spoiled. And, like, the Angels ended that, like, kind of dynasty, if you will, abruptly. So, wasn't a big fan of them. They've always rubbed me the wrong way. So, no love loss for me. Let's get back to the LA Kings. We're going to talk about the decor. We talked you know, about actually, it. Joe, sorry. I want yeah. to take a little segue. I mean, okay, this actually just popped in my head. Yeah, me and you can talk about this a little bit, too. And I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Austin Matthews. Oh. His new contract extension, right? I feel like this is pretty big news. Maybe some Kings fans Absolutely. have their hopes on on a, a 34 jersey being donned by Austin Matthews in L.A., but they might have to wait. Uh, he just signed a four-year deal carrying an, an average annual value of $13.25 million a year. Uh, I think he's the highest-paid player in the NHL now. What? Uh, there you go. I, I love the I love the, the rapid of the banner. Man, it would be so proud. <laughs> but uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on the extension, right? Just so big deal in the uh, NHL. Huge deal, huge deal. Obviously, uh, was it four year deal at 13.25? Is that right? Okay, yeah. uh, 13.25. So, listen, I think it's obviously a huge deal for, for both. So, so Toronto needed to get, get him locked up. He's a, he was a pending free agent after the season. You have to get this deal done. I'm sure they would have preferred, why wouldn't they? The, an eight-year deal, um, yeah. but if the options were this deal or we walk, you take this deal if you're Toronto because you are very much still in your cup window. Uh, so you 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 do this deal, um, and I you could probably make the case that thirteen two five is not only fair. I think Don Lashizen has made uh, the argument that it's it could even still be cheap. He's that good of a player. Um, this is this is a this is great for Austin Matthews, though, right? I mean, he gets four years at this money, which is, as you noted, is the highest in in the league. He will be on the right side of thirty, maybe maybe just thirty when he when the deal expires. I think he's twenty five right now. Thirty one. Oh, okay. Okay. that's what I saw. I'm, I'm not exactly could be. sure, but right around there. But but either way, you're going to have um, he's thirty one, an elite goal scorer. Uh, he's going to have. I, I would imagine health, you know, assuming okay health here, he's going to have another three to five big time years after that to where he could ink another deal. He can ink a five year deal at 15 per come, come or 16, 17 by that time. Um, I, I don't hate this, this idea for, I mean, I, again, as a team, you want it longer, but you, you got to do what you got to do. Um, Good for the player, though. I think um, I don't know where where you think Toronto is right now. I maintain I am still very high on Toronto. Very, I am very bullish on them. I think they're really good. Um, I think it's another opportunity for them to to uh, make a push in the playoffs, which they just never do. But I, I one of these years, I just think it has to happen. Although I think there's there could be some more changes coming with the salary cap and whatnot. But um, I think it's a great deal for Matthews. It's a good deal for the Leafs. Um, I think this team's a cup contender, um, and they should be for really for the duration for the next three to five years. They 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 should be. So um, I think it's a good deal. Yeah, I, I mean I totally agree with you. I think both sides did well here. This almost kind of goes back to this new strategy or, or 
the way that these superstar players are almost getting into these extensions now, that that kind of what we saw with Gavrikov, right? Where they're betting on themselves at this point now. The players don't really want these superstar talent players that know they can eventually make like they, they know they're going to be good the rest of their career. We saw it with Matthews, uh, or we obviously we've seen it with Matthews, and we've seen a little bit, I guess, with Gavrikov, who who's kind of banking on himself. So they're going to take these shorter deals. I mean, four years. I'm sure the team would have loved to get it for at least eight years if they could. The max, like keep them in Toronto as long as they could. But, but with Matthews, you think about it with eventually the salary cap that we just keep talking about. Eventually, he's going to come up. He's banking on himself being like you mentioned, coming up when he's 31. Um, just going to go in and probably get 15 plus mil a year, maybe even 16 or 17. So, I mean, I don't blame him for being the for for banking on himself like that. And I also don't really think that the Leafs did bad here either. I mean, any chance you can to lock up a player like Austin Matthews for um, four years, it's a win, especially with, with all this, all that's gone, gone down in Toronto and everything they've gone through. I mean, I, I agree with you. They should be one of the best teams in the East, if not the team to come out of the East for the, for, uh, the playoffs, the Stanley Cup final. So, I mean, I, I just think there's still a little defense that needs to be found there. Um, not sold on Morgan Riley as a as a top end talent player there, um, or a top end defenseman there. So I th- I, the Jake Muzzin loss was huge for them because mm-hmm. that was the perfect type of defenseman that they needed. Someone who's who's been in those situations before, who's won Stanley Cup. Um, it's just losing that type of player and that defense on that on the blue line just really hurt them. But I, I still think it's going to be a good team, and and maybe we'll have to just wait for the Austin Matthews to LA rumors still. <laughs> Till this contract's over a few more years uh fun yeah. fact about uh you mentioned the blue line in um toronto so they just signed a player named david ferentz uh to a minor league deal um he's from rochester uh, okay i had the privilege of coaching against him he was a sophomore um in our high school team in our league he was a man amongst boys, as you might imagine. And I get like, so we, we played them in the semifinals. Not, we'll, we'll set aside his four-goal game he had against us in the regular season as a defenseman. Um, in the semifinals, he single-handedly took the game over in the third period and we ended up losing the game. So I kind of twitched when I saw that David Ferentz going there. But he, he was a really good player at BU. Um Bounced around the minors, was drafted by Nashville, was played with the Colorado Eagles last year. And it, I found it interesting because you and I were both big fans of Rasmus Sandin. Uh, smooth skating, good offensive, left-handed, left-shot defenseman. That's exactly what David Ferentz is. So I wonder if they view – I mean, he's not ready to jump in and play like Sandin did in the NHL, but I just wonder if they if they, um, you know, see that. But anyways, just had to throw that out there, a little David Ferentz shout Um because I have PTSD from what he <laughs> did. You see that every time. <laughs> uh, so back to the Kings uh, defenseman. Gavrikov Roy. Um, I think it's fair to assume if we assume like we did before, Anderson Dowdy are probably going to stay together. At least that, that seems to be the most likely scenario. I would have to imagine the most likely scenario is Gavrikov Roy staying together, if for no other reason than they were what arguably the best defensive pair in the NHL when they got put together last year by expected goals and shot attempts. I mean, they were 
awesome. And there's two people recording this podcast right now uh, named Russell and Joe that um, were pretty wrong on the Gavrikov. Uh, Ooh, what? <laughs> if, if we do say so ourselves, we have been eating crow pretty much since it came. So we'll do it one more time here. Why not? And then we'll officially be able to move on and just say, okay, we'll go. But let's be honest. Like he was, he, he and Roy were great together. Um, I don't know what else there really is to even talk about with this B pair other than do I expect them to play at a 75% expected goals clip? No. Um, they could conceivably be the best pair on the team, um, certainly from a shutdown standpoint. I don't know that I expect Roy to be as offensive as he was last year. So I still I'm not sure what this pair. I don't know how it all comes together from an offensive standpoint, but I expect them to be excellent in a shutdown role. Um, so I don't know your thoughts on on Gavrikov Roy here. Yeah, like like you. You mentioned we've had to eat crow ever since the trade went down because they've been nothing but excellent as a as a duo for the for the Kings on the blue line. I mean, I I think it's more to do with Matt Roy as a player. It just seems like everybody that plays with Matt Roy, his, their game just gets elevated to another level. And this isn't to say that Gavrikov isn't a great player himself. So we've kind of seen when Matt Roy, who's he's kind of gone through a turnstile of defensive departments yeah. in his time with the Kings so far, when he probably gets his best quality of talent alongside of him. Now we see what a, a, a duo they can become. And I think you're right. I think it's, it's fair to, to say that they're going to be the, uh, the second defensive pair uh, as, uh, when the Kings uh, drop the puck against Colorado Avalanche. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's really not much else to say about, about those two. But, I, I'm yeah. so glad you mentioned Matt Roy. I was thinking about this um, before the show about how, you know, a lot of talk about Mikey Anderson and how he's evolved and becoming a really shutdown defenseman. Drew Doughty's had an incredible career. A lot of buzz around Clark Spence and the young guys. Gavrikov comes in and steals everybody's hearts. Everybody loves him. He's doing the the yoga on the ice. Everything. Matt Roy just gets overlooked. And all he does is you could make the case that he's the best defenseman on the team over the last couple of seasons. Um, and like we talked about it before the thing with, with Gavrikov is when they brought him in, we looked at it as, you know, we were strengthening a strength because Dersey Roy was good, whether people want to admit it or not, they weren't great per se. They were good though. So like it wasn't the perfect pairing, but Matt Roy was that good. Um, and I, I know you. I think we both are big fans. You especially are just uh, are, are, are a huge, huge fan of Matt Roy. Um, so I'm glad that you brought him up, and and because he deserves to be put on this little pedestal, this mini conversation we're having here. Because I just, it seems like he is incredibly overlooked. There was a for anybody that's that's a follower of Jay Fresh. He's been going through and doing all these like rankings and historical rankings and redrafts and all this stuff. And one of them I think was defensive rankings and Matt Roy was behind. I think everybody on the Kings D he didn't even make the list. If I'm not mistaken, I'm, I'm forgetting exactly what it was. Oh, the fan vote. Yeah. And I'm like, he, he, he's not even, he is completely overlooked on the national scale. I get it. He's, he's an unassuming does his job. Doesn't say much, 
not a big offensive guy. So I, I get why he's a type of player that would get overlooked. But boy, um, you know, he, he's in such a, an important player. And that leads me to the kind of my question, Russ, is something that I haven't really seen talked about, but I did see it come up on Twitter and it really sparked, you know, this conversation and this thought in my head is like, we are entering into Matt Roy's final year of this contract. Um, the Kings have two excellent right shot D prospects. Can they afford to move on from Matt Roy? And what does that look like? How do you, you can't let Matt Roy walk, right? But you like, how do you get him to the end of the season? And you just say, Oh, thanks. Move on. We're all done, but you can't trade him. Right. Because presumably the Kings are going to be a contending team. This is an interesting situation. Is it not? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the something probably Rob Blake will have his eye on throughout the whole season in terms of what he sees. There's really one player that you watch or you can kind of think about when you're when you're talking about a, a possible Matt Roy contract extension, and that's Jordan Spence. Because if you have that, if you have Brant Clark, who's more than likely not going anywhere, nobody's trading Brant Clark away. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a stalwart on the right side of the defense pair for the Kings for years to come. So that spot's already taken. Drew Doughty's obviously going to still be around. So then that leaves you with Matt Roy, who's, like you mentioned, in the final year of his contract, and then Jordan Spence, who has kind of just lit it up ever since he's gotten to the AHL um, and even had some Stanley Cup playoff games a couple years ago with the Kings. So that's the player I think about. And it's almost like this team's contending now. Are they willing to make that trade where – you can let Matt Roy walk, and or are you okay with Jordan Spence just immediately stepping in uh, and taking that role? And then you have a right side of Drew Doughty, Brant Clark, and Jordan Spence. It's weird, though, because I think about it. Like, for me, obviously, I think Matt Roy should stay. And if I had my say, I'd probably look at packaging Jordan Spence with a, with another piece maybe on the left side um, to help out or even just maybe more, more depth on, on the forward position. Uh, I think you get some good value there, but it is tough because I mean, I'm talking about trading a player like Jordan Spence, who's probably one of the top three, one of the best prospects the Kings have. So it, it is a tough situation. And, and maybe my love for Matt Roy and the type of player that he is might, might be a little biased here, but it's also a player that I think has really benefited from this analytics era that we're in. Because if you, like you mentioned, like his, his numbers aren't really eye-popping in terms of the box score, the goals, the assists, and the points. But if you look at the analytics, the the, the J Fresh player cards, the mm-hmm. evolving hockey like contract plots and all that good stuff. I mean, Matt Roy is considered the best player on the Kings in terms of wins above replacement and all that good stuff. So that's where I feel like if we get to a situation where Matt Roy is coming into free agency and gets to explore free agency, I think he can garner maybe five, close to $6 million on the market. Kind of what Vladislav Gavrikov has gotten. Look, there's almost similar type players, right? In terms of not really lighting up the lamp, but they're also doing really well at the the little stuff on the ice that's now starting to get measured by some of these analytic stats. So it's going to be tough to see because if you lose a player like Matt Roy, I think the defense gets worse. I, I really do. I mean, even if you just have Jordan Spence, just step right in. And then obviously we're talking about uh, starting 24-25 mm-hmm. when uh, Matt Roy is uh, supposed to be a free agent. So that'll be something to watch. I, I just My only hope is that maybe they can 
figure out a way to get Jordan Spence to play left-handed or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 really hard um, to envision a Kings roster without Matt Roy. Noah comes in here in the chat says Roy can continue to play offensively now that he has Gav on the ice with him. That that could very well be. Al Smith chimes in. Roy two years ago was a disaster trying to get the puck out of the zone. This past year was a massive improvement in that area. If he picks up the play just a little bit more. That would be awesome. No disagreement there. And, you know, Russ, you mentioned 24-25. That's not what Lieb's talking about. Lieb's talking about trading him at the deadline for a goaltender. I don't know, Lieb. Lieb's, uh, Lieb's been going after me for this for a couple – ever the whole summer pretty much. And I don't know. I'm starting to not become I, a, a big fan of Lieb. I will <laughs> say. <laughs> Love you, Lieb. I'm just, just messing around. Because, because I was a part of this. Do the Kings trade Matt Roy conversation on social media. Yeah. Not because I dislike Matt Roy. I now this was prior to the Gavrikov. At least I, my memory, if my memory serves, uh, prior to the Gavrikov signing, uh, re-signing, because I was continuing to be under the impression that the Kings would go and get a little bit more of a dynamic. Hopeful that they would find a way to get more of a dynamic left shot D man. Um, you know, skating wise, offensive wise, puck movement wise, all that stuff, which maybe that means that they would move out of Matt Roy um, to just kind of, you know, balance out the lineup a little bit. But, you know, obviously that's not the case. And again, I, I, I know that they have Spence and Clark and they're both righties. Boy, I would still be very surprised to see Matt Roy not around next year. Like I, 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 because, and, and I guess, you know, uh, I, we'll get to this when we talk about the bottom pair. Like, I I don't care um, that, that they're both right-handed. And I guess we can, we can kind of segue this um, into that next conversation of the bottom pair and what are these options. And I guess for, for starters, we will let, – let, let's talk about what those options are. Um, you, we have – Obviously, the two prospects, Brant Clark, Jordan Spence, they're both right-handed. On the left-hand side, you've got Tobias Bjornfoot, who's been in the organization for a few years now, still very young. Andreas Englund, the Kings brought him in two years, $1 million per AAV. You have uh, a hockey royalty favorite, Jacob Movarari, still kicking around the left side. Um, I, I'm not going to go much beyond that because realistically, I don't know that anybody else has a true threat. Oh, like come I on. Know. Give Matt Mania a chance. Come on. <laughs> hey, I'm a big fan of him, by the way. Like, I don't know that Kim Nusiainen is somebody that's really in contention. Cole Krieger, these guys are not quite there yet. So I think those are the options we're looking at. Those five. Clark, Spence, England, Bjornfoot, Mulverari. Um And so where I was going to go, I'll start this off just because where I was going to go with the Matt Roy thing is – I am on board with a Clark Spence bottom pair. And I think, and I know people are hating that because of the whole right shot on the left side thing. And listen, we talked about this at length last year about the right side, Jersey on the right side. But if you recall, we didn't talk about this to say, we'll just, we need a lefty, just any lefty. Otherwise, we would have been pushing for Bjornfoot, which none of us were doing. There was a specific player that was very much available on the market that really would have fit what the Kings were looking to do. 
stats. Are Come on, don't don't. We can't talk about him anymore. Come on. Right. Well, we, I don't know if we're allowed. <laughs> we don't want to offend anybody. Um, but that was the whole purpose, right? Like, it, it wasn't just because he was left-handed or get any left-handed shot. Like yeah, at the right. end of the day, I want to play the better players. Um, so I don't. That's what there's play the best players that are available, right? So I don't have a problem with with now I can totally understand why a coach, a head coach, would have a problem playing two inexperienced kids on your bottom pair. I get that. Um, but it's not as if Bjornfoot, yeah, he has experience, but so let's before we get into the um the rookies there, Russ. Uh, I, I do want to. I want. I want to give a shout to to CJ because he had commented earlier that he, he, you know he wanted us to touch on Bjornfoot. Um, he yeah. hope he adds some grit to his game. He really, he seems really passive when he plays. Not sure if we see that. So as we kick off this bottom pair options, let's let's set aside Clark and Spence for a second, and let's talk about Tobias Bjornfoot. Um, do you see that passiveness that CJ was alluding to? Um, and what are your overall thoughts on Bjornfoot right now um, as we head into, as we get ready for, for, for training camp? Yeah, I think the, a lot of the passiveness that we see, because I agree with CJ. I mean, this is a player that just, the reason we, he seems so passive on ice is because he doesn't know the type of player that he is yet or the type of player that he wants to be in the NHL. And that's so visually apparent when you watch him play. It's like there's some times when he's just skating up the ice with that fluid skating motion that he has. And then sometimes that he just doesn't want to be aggressive at all in the offensive zone. And it's like he has that lane that's open to him, but for some reason is a little bit more passive in that situation. And then even the defensive side, it's just – you see those that that strength and that physicality in, in certain situations, but then he just loses his man in his own zone. And I've seen that happen time and time again. And that's that's a reason why he was pretty much scratched almost all of last season. Mm -hmm. And but it's weird because what is he? Twenty two years old already has a hundred games of NHL experience under his belt. This will be a this will be a big training camp for for Tobias Burnfoot because he needs to come into camp and show the coaching staff that like this I'm a new player. I know what I am now, whether that be the two-way dynamic player that is not afraid to jump into the play when that time when it's actually given to him and also show a little bit of physicality in his own zone, or if he's just going to continue to be this passive player that kind of waits for the play to happen in front of him as opposed to making the plays actually happen. So, I mean, for, for me, it's just I don't envision Bjornfoot being on the opening roster. I don't just because I haven't seen it yet, and I wonder if that's where the Kings management thinks as well because – they're just in a wait-and-see situation with Bjornfoot that hasn't come to fruition yet. And that's why training camp will be so 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 huge for this player. I mean, we you can say that for a, a bunch of players. Calia, yeah. Byfield, I mean, Alex Turcotte, all these, all these players battling for roster spots. But for Bjornfoot, where that left-shot defensive pair is pretty much there for the tanking. I mean, you're talking about him or Andreas Englund or whether they want to switch Spencer Clark to the left side. So that spot's there. And I'm sure that's in the back of his mind. And we'll have to watch training camp and see if we see a little bit of that aggressiveness come out of him. Yeah. Um, and Bjornfoot was the surprise I alluded to earlier, hinted at earlier with, with Corey Pryman's rankings. Bjornfoot ranked fifth in the organization as a prospect, which which really, really surprised me. 
So the biggest sample Bjornfoot had in a single season was 21-22, and he had 70 games played. Um, and when I look at uh, Hockey Viz is an excellent website uh, for for a lot of analytical data as well. And so he played over a thousand minutes that year, and they look at the the team's performance with him on the ice and with him not on the ice uh, from an expected goal standpoint. And expected goals per 60 with him on the ice, the Kings' offense was 15% below league average. Um, and they were above, were slightly above average when he was not on the ice. And defensively, he, they were roughly league average with him on the ice. And with him not on the ice, they were much, much better. And that's just one season, but it's kind of the trend. Like that's, that has been Bjornfoot. He has been an ineffective player. I don't know if this is what he is or if there's another level. I tend to think that there's, I have some hope that there is another level there just because of how young he really still is. Um, but I'm going to be honest, like he's had his look. He's had his look and it hasn't been good enough. I'm going to be very upset barring, you know, a big camp. Of course, I'll, I'll, I'll throw the caveat out there. I don't know how you can't give a look to the kids or even in, in, in this conversation, England or, or, or Moverari to me, Bjornfoot is not even in this conversation because I just, the only thing, the only reason he would be is because of the potential that he gets waived. I don't think anybody claims him um, just because he's got a hundred games. They haven't been effective. They haven't been very good. He maybe would benefit from a change of scenery. And, 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 I'm, and I'm saying this, this, this defenseman is still somebody that may turn into a decent defenseman. The thing is, is he has had his look and it hasn't been good enough. Why would we go back to the well rather than give a look to somebody else, a Jordan Spence and Brant Clark? You know, Mo Ferrari has not gotten the same type of look. Um, maybe he's just viewed as an organizational depth piece, which is why I kind of fall back to as much as I'd love to see Spence and Clark. I, I really do think England could be, could be that guy. He just seems to have that big body veteran type presence physical that I can just see the Kings wanting, even if, and I'm, I've said before, I have not seen enough of the player to, so I want to be very cautious in in how I talk about him because I just haven't seen enough of him, but reading a little bit about him, looking at some of the numbers and such. I, I don't know what's there. I don't know what the upside is here with him, but, I think he is somebody that has a leg up on a Bjorn foot. For yeah, we know what he or the Kings probably know what England is, and they don't know what Bjorn foot is. Yeah, they don't give England a two-year contract at one million a year to, to not probably give him a majority of NHL games that are going to happen. So, yeah, I would like. I'll start with this: is I'd be very surprised if McClellan or Rob Lake or whoever is making these rush decisions, most probably McClellan started Jordan Spencer, Brant Clark on the left side, as much as we'd love to see that happen. So for me, it's probably Andres Anglin that gets that shot. And you think about it like, okay, it maybe makes sense because if you want to play a player like Brant Clark in the NHL, who obviously a young player who doesn't really protect himself too well when he, I think the, 
a big knack on his game. What's he? He had a lot of uh, a real hard time protecting himself when going back for retrievals, and these four checkers were just able to do whatever they wanted to him when he was along the board. So I wonder if maybe they had that in the back of their mind, like, hey, we're going to have a young player, whether it be Clark, whether it be Spence on the right side, let's put a big bruiser on the left side to kind of protect them a little bit, so that way they're not getting run into and all that good stuff. So maybe that was in the back of our mind. So. But yeah, with with Yorfa, I totally agree. I think this is gonna be something where I just don't really see him in this picture right now, and is the three players that are left. And if I guess I had to pencil a, a third pair in, it would be England on the left side and Spence on the right side. And I, we've talked about this before. I just think there's more opportunity for Brent Clark in the AHL to get 20 plus minutes a night, number one power play unit time, playing big situations, this night in and night out. A uh, player that's going to be looked upon to win games and, and be that offensive producer on the back end um, for the Ontario Reign. And, but then you can bring him up whenever there's whether injuries or, or whatnot, just team struggling or who knows. But yeah, I just think it's it's going to be something where they stick with one left shot defenseman and one right shot defenseman. And just to kind of go back to Bjorker real quick, one more one more thing is they didn't switch Sean Dursey or have it in the mind that they were going to switch Sean Walker or Sean Dursey, one of those two, to the left side last year. If they thought Brett, Tobias Bjornfoot was going to be a quality NHL, right? They were willing to make that risk, and that was the thing when you compare Sean Dursey to Tobias Bjornfoot. Dursey, with all of his, I guess, problems that he had in his own zone, you at least knew what you were getting in the offensive zone. You were getting a dynamic playmaker who wasn't afraid to be aggressive. And the thing with Bjornfoot is you're getting poor defensive play, but then you're not even getting anything in the offensive zone. So that's why Tom Collin and Co. was willing to make that risk. Yep play jersey on the left side as opposed to playing bjorn foot and maybe we see that happen this year where they're they they aren't afraid to make that risk either with playing spencer or clark on the left side either and here's where the risk is and and al smith thank you very much for uh the comment i'll buy a ticket on that train and he did just that um the clark train that is absolutely al yes yes as randon would do like (laughs) And here's the thing. So Brant Clark can, I think, play the left side. Now, you just pointed out about how he struggled with his retrievals, right, Brant Clark? The numbers back that up. So Corey Schneider's tracking data uh, on all three zones, that that checks out. <laughs> like Brant Clark was really good pretty much everywhere except for the retrievals where he was very not good. We'll put it to put it nicely. Okay. Now I, I, I am going to stress small sample. So let's, I want to just be clear in Jordan Spence's tracking. He has been excellent across the board, retrievals included. He has had no issues in, in the times tracked uh, in the games tracked of Schneider and being, retrievals, rather being at successful retrievals and retrievals leading to exits. So I would love to see, at least in training camp, let's see. Clark on the left side. We know the Kings play this 1-3-1. He doesn't have to do as much of the going back and retrieving as, generally speaking, as the right side guy does. He can be the one stepping up at the blue line. I would love to see that, and let's just see how that goes. Maybe it doesn't work, but we know Bjornfoot doesn't work. They're not going to get a shot from 
I don't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe Mo Ferrari gets a shot. And England, I think you kind of know what he is. The Kings probably know exactly what he is and what they're getting out of him. He's lock, He's the type of sixth, seventh defenseman in and out of the lineup, veteran, big, physical. I don't know what you have to quote unquote see out of him. Um, He'll be a and, spot player in like back to backs or something. Like sure, kind of like the Alex Edler type. Yeah, let me see Clark Spence, and I and I have um, I um, I maintain that I think Clark can play the left side, and I would try that. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you, I would love to see that in training camp because I think we could see um, that's the best way to grab and get some skill into this lineup. And I think that makes the roster that much deeper and that much better. And I understand the risk. And I understand when you, the Kings have the goaltending that they're trotting out there, that it is very high risk. I, I acknowledge that, but let's remember, it's not as if we're talking about, we're taking out like Norris caliber D here. We're, we're choosing Clark and Spence over, Bjornfoot and Spence. That's a good point. Yeah. We're, we're not talking about like established NHL defensemen. We're talking about playing guys on the left side just because they're left-handed, not because they're necessarily NHL players, <laughs> right? I mean, let's be honest. So, like, if if there was an, a, a more established NHL player that say they went out and signed a veteran NHL left-shot D-man to kind of shore up the bottom pair that's got like a, a years of NHL experience, like all that stuff. Like e- even, even Alex Edler of like a few years back, we're a little bit more capable. You can see the logic. It, it's not as these are, these are placeholders, right? England's a placeholder. Bjornford would be a placeholder again, unless Bjornford's able to take another step. And I don't want to say that he can't because he is young, but it's just, we've, and I'm including the AHL. We haven't seen a, a, a much in the AHL, if we're being honest um, from Bjornford either. So no. I just remain skeptical uh, of Bjornfoot. So um, I don't know. That's, that's why I, I, I like the idea and I'm comfortable with the idea, especially in training camp. Show me as much of Clark Spence as I can get just to see, can this work? You ever, you ever watched the office? You ever seen this, yes. this show? Yeah. Obviously. Yes. Seen. You, ever, you remember the episode where, where Jim is like the co-manager and then he had, if, in order to make decisions, they have to make a pros and cons list with Michael. I, I, I freaking love that scene. It's so funny when Michael's kind of making fun of him, he's his pros and cons list and calls him a nerd. I freaking love that scene. But I thought like, let's make a pros and cons list for what would be like with the pro of, of or con of, of one of those players playing on the left side. And I guess maybe it's just more, I'm just trying to bring him to light. Like what's the negative to switching one of those players to the left side? You mean Clark or Spence? Yeah, just to have the, one of those players start the season on the left side. Like, what would be the negative there if, if you saw that come out of training camp? So so the negative is, obviously, for Clark, because, again, I and I'm looking at it from my lens is Clark is the left, Spence is the right. Now, I don't know. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe they flip it. But because I think Spence is a better skater and better at turning and better in going into retrieve pucks, I, I tend to think – I think he could be better on the right side and Clark on the left, but I don't know. I could be wrong there. Maybe, maybe they flip. But the, the concern is, is you do have two inexperienced defensemen that are very clearly more offensive minded. Um, 
that would love to push the pace a little bit more. And I think the downside is partly the way they play, but also partly the Kings system where it's not necessarily how the Kings play. The Kings defensemen are used to getting pucks kind of going off the glass and letting their, their forwards skate into it. It's not really Spence and it's not really Clark. These guys are going to want to get the puck and they're going to want to skate with the puck a little bit. They're going to want to move the puck. So it could be just a, a, uh, just a contradictory of, of, of style. Um, but also, listen, these are two players that are and, – and, and I know I've been the one on this show to say size size doesn't really matter. But, like, you've got two guys that are still not f- as physically mature yet. You know, I don't think they need to be big. I don't think – I have no problem with Spence being a smaller guy, but they're they're just physically a little – a little immature. So, so there are risks here. Uh, and they, and I would say that they come more from the, from the defensive side. Um, and I think that to the other part of that is um, I can envision Clark being in the low slot and a puck maybe popping out. It's a two on one on Spence coming back the other way because Clark's caught. And I, just because of the style that he plays, and I think if you're going to have him in the lineup and you're going to have, and you're going to be, a part of the Clark train, you're going to want to let him loose and let him play his game. And okay. with that comes inherent risk. So I, I want to make sure that it's clear. I'm not saying that this is a guaranteed to work and it doesn't come without risk. I acknowledge that there's risk here, but I think the upside is greater. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, if you think about it, let's say you start with Clark Spence as a pairing, you switch them either way, but I like the way you're thinking in terms of having Spence be the main retrieval guy. That's a very, like the ceiling for that pair is so high in terms of what they can make actually happen on the ice. But then the floor is probably pretty low because like we're talking about two really young players um, just getting into the league. Um, Also size could be an issue there. Um, so yeah, you're talking about maybe a little bit of a, a lower floor yeah. there, but with let's say if you pair like an Anglin uh, with whether it be Clark or Spence, not much maybe in terms of that explosiveness you're getting out of that pair. But then you're maybe you're, you're mitigating the risk a little bit with just having a left shot, right shot, just based off that alone. And then also you have to think about it too. Like I like what what we mentioned here when talking about pros and cons, where he said pro they get to play, but con. The Kings' recent history of young D-men playing their offside with disastrous defensive results, which could probably impact their confidence a little bit, which which seems strange to say with a player like Brant Clark, who's just his confidence is just always sky high. But I can see that maybe hit, hit, impacting them a little bit. So that's something they're going to have to keep in mind. I mean, when you when you think about with the uh, Sean Jersey playing the left side last year. He had already played pretty much a full season of NHL games under his belt. So now he's coming in like, hey, we, we know you can play. You know you're a great skater, so we're going to try on the left side. And But, yeah, I don't know. I just – I've always thought, like, when, when, I, when I envisioned that pairing of Clark and Spence, I always thought Spence would be on the left side just because he's a better skater. He'd be able to open up a lot easier re- receiving passes and getting out of the zone. But I, I totally understand where you're coming from in terms of having Spence be that retrieval guy because – you don't want to have Brent Clark be turning around every time right. a puck is dumped into his own zone because it seems like that might be a little that bit is, more difficult yeah. than it would be for for him than it would be for Spence. Because um, with Spence, I mean, I just he's an excellent skater. Every time you watch him play, it just makes things happen. And we've seen him get pushed around a little bit, but hey, he's still he was a young player and he's just kind of growing into his body a little bit still. 
maybe he can grow a little muscle and then still use that skating ability to get out of uh, some trouble. So it's tough. And I, I also want to, I think you put what Al, Al Smith put on here. Uh, if you put one of uh, Spence Clark on the left side, do you split the Gavrikov Roy pairing? It's a great and, question. I mean, yeah, it, it's an excellent question. That's a, something a lot of people want to see. The thing is, is I don't want to be limiting Matt Roy's minutes. They're not paying Gavrikov six million dollars a year to be playing him on the third side, so I don't see that happen. And especially with everything we just talked about, with how well those two played together towards the end of the season, you don't want to fix something that ain't broke. That's was clearly one of the best defensive pairs, not only on the Kings but in the NHL. And if you split them up just to kind of try to find something with these young players, hey, it, it could work. You could find some really good pairs with uh, whether it be Gavrikov with Clark and Spence with Roy. I, mean, one, I would love to see that see that at least once or twice, maybe just see what happens. But I think to start, I think you have to start with, with Gavrikov and Roy together and me, training camp's just going to be, give them a chance. And I'm, I'm with you. I just want to see it happen. Maybe a couple practices, maybe a preseason game or so. Mm-hmm. And if they start scoring some goals and lighting the lamp, I mean, I don't know, maybe McClellan's hands will be tied at that point. No, I for sure want to see it in a, in a game. And I think, you know, I think there's this assumption just because, you know, with England, you know, he's a big guy, he's physical, he plays left side, he beat, but like he's not been somebody that's been able to stick and like, carve out like a, an NHL career um, in yeah. part because, you know, he's, he's, is what he is. Like he's kind of that bottom pair, six, seven depth, depth defenseman, but there is a con here to that is that he doesn't, the Kings don't get out of their zone efficiently. The Kings, are somebody that are hemmed in their zone because they can't get on their zone officially because he struggles with the puck. And also he takes a lot of penalties. Like that's a con. That's a big con. Now, some of these penalties are him dropping the gloves and it's a fight. Okay. Maybe he's, he, they can see him as somebody to, to quote unquote, protect one of the young guys. If he's paired with, I can see logic there. Like I, I get it. Um, but there's, there's a negative there because now you're, you're, even if you're not playing shorthanded, you're playing, you know, now with five defensemen for five minutes on on the back end. So, like, I don't want to just assume that that no, there's no, there's limited upside, but there is a downside to somebody like an Englund. And I think similarly with Bjornfoot, the upside. So Bjornfoot is is, is more than more so than Englund. There is an upside case for Bjornfoot because with with the all three zones tracking, he does move the puck well. He is a capable puck moving defenseman and making a first pass to get out of the zone. So there's your window. There's your avenue to, for success to where maybe, maybe with the depth that the Kings have down the middle, right? When your third, fourth centers is, is Deneau and Lazat. And if you've got Bjornfoot paired with say a Jordan Spence or a Brad Clark, who one of those skilled for players, when you're looking at your kind of options for, zone exits and moving pucks in your defensive zone to get up and out of the zone and into transition of giving a puck to Spence or giving a puck to Deneau or giving a puck to to Lazat. That's not bad. So maybe, maybe um, he is able to kind of carve out that type of role. Um, we'll see. And that's the that is the upside for Tobias Bjornfoot, I think, is if he can just be a quietly steady Puck's in my zone, puck's out of my zone. I get the puck to my teammate, we're out of my zone. Doesn't do anything flashy, keeps pucks in, 
that's it, right? He'll be fine on the left side in terms of zone, you know, defending zone entries. All that stuff is going to be fine. It's just can he get the puck up and out of the zone? And I think there is an avenue for him to do that better than England can. Yeah, it is. It is kind of tough to think about like that being the expectation for Tobias Bjornfoot, who's a first-round pick. But yeah, it also is. We're talking about the third pair of of the defense here. But I think it's mm-hmm. also really important because of you're having your two two of your best prospects more than likely playing in in this role. So that's why the Kings fans are going to have so much so so much of a microscope on this position in the lineup is because of what, whether it be Clark or Spence in that spot and then Bjorn for England on the left side. But I'm glad you mentioned the forward group because I mean, in my opinion, this is the deepest the forward group has been in a long time. Oh yeah. Long time. I mean, even maybe even better than some of the forward groups that they had during the cup years. I mean, you yeah. can say that with, with yep. some of the, the centermen that they have. So maybe if you, you have such responsible players that are being on the ice and the forward positions were like Kopitar's to knows uh, Trevor Moore, Blake Lazat, uh, even Dubois, who's I think a, a lot more of an underrated defensive player than people give him credit for. Maybe you, they, those players will have in the back of their mind, like, "Hey, I'm going to have two young defensemen on the back end here on the ice with me. Let me help them out a little bit in my zone or in our zone, and help them with retrievals, help them with board battles a little bit more, as opposed to wait. You don't have to do that as much with Matt Roy and Gavrikov on the ice, who you know they're going to do pretty well at negating those those uh, zone entries." getting the pucks back pretty quickly and then you can kind of zoom up by. So I wonder if that's something that McClellan will have in the back of my mind or back of his mind where he has Andre Kopitar out there knowing like, okay, I have one of the best two-way centers in the game. It's not going to matter whether I play Brent Clark or Jordan Spence at the same time when I have Kopitar or Deneau on the ice. Well, I know those players will be responsible in their own zone and be able to help those players out um, a bit more, but yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll be a it'll be a fun battle to watch in training camp. That's for sure. I think there's a lot to that, and I think that that you know, as we there, there's certainly going to be battles in training camp for you know a middle six wing position. You're looking yeah. at that fourth line in general uh, for the from the wing standpoint, and these and this decor right, the bottom pair is is conceivably it's wide open. Really, I mean, there's there's two there's two spots to go grab. And if you're, if you're these guys, I mean, there's, there's certainly opportunity. Um, Trapper uh, has joined in on the chat and immediately takes a shot at uh, Randon. Who's not here place is much nicer without the A's fan. It's not nice. He's kidding. <laughs> Randon will like that one, but he did, he, he did come in Trapper and says Bjornford is capable. It's not his fault. Expectations are higher. He does what you knew he would do. Well, yeah. that's, that's not unfair, but I think, and the expectations do need to be we, – we need not think of Tobias Bjornfoot as a first-round pick right now. You know, he's a player that is at a handful of years now of, of pro experience. It's been, um, you know, less than stellar. So the expectations do need to be adjusted. And, you know, my expectation is if he can come in – be a good complementary guy to a skillful right-shot D – if he can be smart with the puck in his own zone, great. As long as he's able to get pucks out of the zone and not be somebody that kind of is out of position. I think you noted it last summer, was it? Russ, that Bjornfoot just at times looked kind of lost in the defensive zone. So, you know, that certainly can happen. Um, You know, things like that. I mean, 
the expectation isn't that he does much. <laughs> Honestly, let's just just hold your own in the D zone and get us out of the D zone um, and in transition, and that's it. Like I'm not even asking Bjorn Foot to jump up into the play offensively necessarily. Like really, really keep things kind of simple right now. Um, and but and, and again, it's not my first choice, but that is an avenue for success for him. I think. Right. Well, also with how the Kings are going into the season with their goaltending situation, right? They're going to be trying to limit the amount of chances they can uh, as much as much as they can. And if my Phoenix Copley for Vesna future ticket wants to kick in, I want those chances to be limited too. So, <laughs> so yeah, let's let's give the so the best the best line about there that they can because this is a team that's going to be gunning for a Stanley Cup. They don't want to be having just. I don't want to be seeing any just holes in the lineup or like it's just like filler holes. Like this should be a really deep team, which it, it's looking like it can be, um, where you're able to feel confident any player that steps on the ice because we've seen it at times the last few years. There are times where, where a defensive pair would go out there and we'd all just hold our breath and, and mm-hmm. hope that the puck's not in the in the king's net. So uh yeah, it's it's, it's a big it's a big uh, topic, that's for sure. It is. Uh it is. And and I think the other thing that we didn't really touch on with Clark and Spence is uh, the ability to play power play. Um, And I I don't think that's should be overlooked. I think both of those guys are capable. Um, You know, I think both of those guys are, are, they could, they could both play the second unit together. Frankly, Uh, I I don't envision a scenario where Dowdy is not on the top unit, but I would, that's a rare scenario where I'd play 2d. They're they're that skilled. Um, on, on power play too. You know, I, I think that's an option. Do you, just a quick question before we end it here. Do you see a situation where any Kings player, you kind of, you kind of have the lineup pretty much penciled in your head where there's certain players that we kind of know won't probably won't make the team um, barring any explosiveness in training camp. Do you see any players from the Kings being picked up via waivers? It's funny you ask that. Cause I actually had a, a note to ask you, if uh, the almost the same question, but more specific, are you concerned about Bjornfoot going off way, getting picked off waivers? Because you no. mentioned that he's not going to be. You, you say I don't even know if he'd make. Do, do, do you have a concern? Because neither do I. Neither no, do I. I actually have uh, no concern about pretty much any Kings player being picked up off waivers. I, I feel I, like I, I know Zach Dooley's mentioned this countless of times, and he's probably should have a mantra when he get in the training camp here about. There, it always seems like. It, fans of teams just get so scared of losing a player like oh we can't lose this third round draft pick from a couple years ago because we're so high on him and and all that but every every team's going through the same situation where yeah yeah they have to trim down the rosters you look at you obviously look at the salary cap situation for all these teams especially the kings kings included i mean i just don't see a, a, a situation where any of these players i mean i think Fagimo, like Lee mentioned, is the only one that might get picked up. I, I could agree with that, but you're still you're talking about a second round pick that hasn't really made much noise in the NHL. He scored a couple goals here and there. His goals per sixty is probably really high, but I don't know. I'd be very surprised if if that came um, came up. And yeah, and that, that Fagimo is an interesting one because yeah, I mean he he would maybe be the only one. I. I Grunstrom, somebody who was it here that mentioned Grunstrom. I want to give him his proper due. Uh, Trapper, Trapper mentions Grunstrom about being concerned. He plays that kind of style that I think a lot of NHL teams, a lot of NHL coaches do value. Um, at one point three, I don't know. Yeah, um, that's the thing. One point three million dollars is kind of kind of scare. scare so some teams. yeah, so so I don't know if 
how much of a concern there would be there. I mean, Jared but, Anderson Dolan, that's another one. If yeah, looking you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of his. I just don't know that somebody claims him, though. Um, you never know. Uh, hey, at the end of the day, you never really do know. And I know we were, we were, you know, part of that conversation. I remember with the Cal Clegg conversation a couple of years ago. Um, you know, there's a big concern that, that Clegg would get claimed off of waivers, and he wasn't. In our defense, though, I am pretty sure Elliot Friedman tweeted, I'm shocked that Cal Clegg was surprised. So, <laughs> And the thing to remember, too, with these waivers is when these players get picked up off waivers, they have to stay on the NHL roster. I believe it's for 30 days or so. So it's not like they can just pick him up and put him in the AHL. They have to actually have him on the roster. So if a team's willing to give a player like Fagimo or Bjornfoot a shot, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess more good for them. But I, oh, I mean, another one too is is interesting to think about is Akil Thomas. I mean, it's the player that's coming off of what bilateral shoulder shoulder mm-hmm. surgery. So, but he's obviously shown a lot of potential playing for the mm-hmm. Ontario Reign. Um, but like you mentioned, teams might be scared if. If uh, with a shoulder surgery and, and the injuries coming back from, and obviously never really playing an NHL game, but a lot of potential there. Something to think no, about. Yeah, no, no question. I'm I'm very big on uh, on Akil Thomas and his talent. I I think he's a very capable player if um, if he can stay healthy. So, well, I think that's probably going to just about wrap it up for us here, Russ. Uh, we hope. Um, that for those of you that came in um, and commented and joined in the chat, thank you very much. We hope that you uh, enjoyed a randomless less show. Uh, I don't know if you if you did or not, and uh, I will apologize. I'd say in advance, but the show's over, so it's not in advance. But Brandon it will will be back to do general hosting duties uh, next week. So you, yeah, we hope so. Uh, so yeah, you can all have. I give everything. you, I give you like a C plus, B minus. <laughs> it's pretty hard grade. No, that is that is that is fair. That is uh, that is fair. So so he will be he'll be back next week. And again, thank you all for joining in on the chat. And and if you could like subscribe to the show, it, it helps us out tremendously. Yeah. Uh, big thanks to Al Smith um, for your contribution and your comments and questions. Cannot thank you enough uh, as well. So, uh, and, and and of course, we can be found at HockeyRoyalty.com. It's been a little bit of a, a light summer, although Kyle Garcia, if you're not following Kyle Garcia, that is at Kopitar, the number four HOF. He is doing uh, a lot of training camp previews right now uh, on the Hockey Royalty site. He is your go-to for rain coverage, too, as the season goes along. We will have him on the show to talk about the rain from time to time. Uh, he is doing just simply excellent work uh, at Hockey Royalty. Uh, Russell here can be found at NHL Russell. Randon is at, at Rando Commando 24. And yours truly, Joe Paterino, is at JW Paterino. So, again, thank you all for joining in on the chat. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for watching on YouTube. It is very much appreciated. And that wraps it up with that. Go Kings, go.